He is a professor of business ethics at Brock University. Paul Dunn, welcome back to the program. How are you? I'm very well, Tom. Thanks for having me. No problem. Have you been following along from uh, British Columbia, the Rogers court case, which is now being heard? It's a fascinating story. Just fascinating. And for, sorry, part of the part of the, the the problem is that there are in fact two boards of directors at Rogers, which people may not be aware of. There's the board of directors of Rogers Communications Inc., and that's the company that trades on the Toronto Stock Exchange. But there's also another board of directors, and that's the board of directors that the family trust is run by. And the Rogers uh, Communications Inc. structure is a little, well, it's not unusual for Canada. We have a lot of family-controlled businesses. But the Rogers, um, Rogers Communications has both A and B shares, and the A shares are voting and the B shares are not. And the family, through a trust, owns 91% of all of the A shares. So Rogers Communications, Inc. is a company, has a board of directors, and then this family trust also has a board of directors. And so it becomes confusing at times as to which board of directors people are talking about. And it is not the same people on the family trust board as on the RCI board, is it? Many similarities, but not identical. Okay. And the, the other thing that we, when we look at boards of directors, we often classify directors into three categories, insiders, gray, and independent. And so an insider is an officer of the company, such as the CEO. Okay. A gray director is anyone who has a linked affiliation with the company. So that would be the company lawyer, for example, or any former executives of the, of the company. Then the third group is independent. No affiliation with the company other than the fact that they sit on the board of directors. And so to give you an example... The Royal Bank of Canada, for example, has a 13-member board. Oh, yeah, it's normally an odd number just so that there aren't tie votes. Right. It has one insider, David McKay, who's the president and CEO of the bank. And then the other 12 are all independent directors, and they include people such as Kathleen Taylor, former CEO of Four Seasons Hotel, David Denson, uh, former CEO of Canada Pension Plan, and 10 others, all these people, independent, and they're all elected by the millions of, of shareholders of the Royal Bank at the annual general meeting. The Rogers board is a little bit different because the Rogers communications are elected by basically the family trust. And so although these people are independent in name, you have to wonder whether they're actually independent of the family trust that votes them in. Where do you classify the Rogers family themselves? Are they on the board? So are are, are the daughters or um, the, the 
you know, the widow, Widow Rogers, is she on the board or are they part of the family trust in a different way? So the the Rogers family trust has uh, a board of directors of 10 people, 10 seats. And it's the five family members. So that's the four children, Lisa, Edward, Melinda, Martha, plus their mom, Loretta. So those five people occupy half the seats. Then um, Loretta's nephew, David Robinson, is on the board. Then there are three grade directors, Bill Lynn, Alan Horn, and John Torrey, all of whom were uh, executives uh, at Rogers as well. So nine of the ten people you would classify as gray. They're not independent. And these people on that board then elect the Rogers Communications, Inc. Board of Directors. Okay. Now, the Rogers Communications, Inc. has 14 board seats. <laughs> Interesting, 14, not an odd number. There is one insider, the CEO, Joe Nattel. Then there are four family members, Edward, uh, Loretta, Martha, and Melinda, Two grade directors, Phil Lynn and Alan Horn, and those are also the same two people who are on the Rogers Family Trust Board. Mm-hmm. And then seven independent directors, and these are these are um, independent people. They include David Peterson, former premier of the province right. of Ontario, uh, Bonnie Brooks, uh, former president of of Hudson's Bay. So these people are independent in that they appear to have no affiliation with the company other than sitting on the board. One of the issues is that Edward wants to replace five of these independent directors with five people of his choosing, which once again makes you wonder, are they really independent? And so the, the members he wants to replace, just for clarity... Are the are five of the seven on the RCI board, not Correct. the family trust board? Because Correct. that would, but how can he do that? Because if the family trust controls it and they're the ones voting, how how did he think he had? Maybe he does because it also there there there's what is the family provision when Ted Rogers passed away, right? And he set this up. This is where is Ted Rogers kind of controlling this a bit from beyond the grave here, Paul? Well, um, my understanding is that Edward is the chair of the Rogers Family Trust. Right, okay. And and to uh, oust him, you need two-thirds of the votes. <clears throat> so seven people have to vote against him. Or, to put it a different way, Edward obviously is going to vote for himself, and all he needs is two other directors to vote with him. And he stays as chair of the Rogers Family Trust. And the Rogers Family Trust owns 91% of all of the voting shares of Rogers Communications. So I think he gets to say who's on the board of directors of Rogers Communications, Inc. So even if the the board doesn't have to vote for it, so, you know, where, where this would be just by decree 
of the guy who's head of the, uh, this is who I want. All the other, or or you could have 60% opposition. You could have everyone but two uh, uh, opposed to it. As long as he remains in control, it is by fiat and decree then. He can say, these are the directors I want. I think that's why this is going to the D.C. courts. Okay. And this is, this is what we're actually going to find out today or tomorrow, whenever the ruling comes down. The hearing is going on right now. And so now it's up to a judge, uh, a, a, a superior court judge who has an expertise in commercial law. She is going to now determine if these moves are valid or not. What does your gut say on it? When you look at this and you're like, okay, okay, okay. Do you think he has the, do you, do you think he has the case or does he not have the case? I have absolutely no idea. Uh, this I, I've never seen anything structured quite like this before. Okay, so I have no idea um, why you know Ted Rogers set it up this way in the first place, and yeah. I don't understand why the family is well not working together. Now, in previous situations, though, Ed Rogers has overstated his case. And, and and thought he had more power than was actually given to him. And we, and we can see that, you know, in the famous uh, uh, Masai Ujiri showdown, <laughs> where his, his opponents are like, yeah, we're signing him to an agreement. We don't care what you think. He didn't have it. And in this case, I, I wonder, it'll be interesting if he's overstated his case again, but maybe not. Maybe in right. the agreement that they've set up that he does have the right to replace those directors with choices of his own, as long as he become, as long as he maintains being the chair. That's my interpretation as well. And remember, the family trust owns ninety-one percent of all of the voting shares for Rogers Communications. So whatever the trust decides, the family trust yeah. decides. That's it. No one else can vote against it. The other side issue that has come up here, Professor Dunn, that I think is really interesting, is no matter how righteous and pure we believe our own motives are justice not only has to appear not justice not only has to be done but it has to appear to be done the role of john tory is could i say uh to borrow from the gray term a little murky <laughs> where you have a director who is also the mayor of a city where you're a large employer you own uh, a large stake in some sports franchises, right? And so is Tory himself maybe on ground that we don't often see with individuals being a mayor, but still a director of an important company, trying to be a power broker here, and that Rogers is a public, a very public company. Should John Tory be, be in that position? Should he not remove himself? Well... This is the issue about gray directors. Um, they are semi-independent in that they don't actually work for the company, but they do have this strong linkage affiliation with the company. And so, I mean, is is John Tory any worse than than the others who are former executives as well? But he's also the mayor of Toronto currently. And True. so shouldn't shouldn't he, uh, I mean, as a, as a guy in business ethics, and let me just say, some yeah. might call that an oxymoron. But, if, if, but, but as you see it, 
shouldn't he wrote like why what is the mayor not enough why doesn't he just put his shares in trust i just think that there there this points out there there could be a good conflict of interest case here for mayor well, tory to remain as a, a as a director of this company well there may be another lawsuit then does this happen often like may, maybe you know i know for instance paul martin famously had to put his shares in a trust with Canada Steamship Line. He was the prime minister of the country, so we accept that. Or if you're a, you know, does does uh, um, Doug Ford have acting interest in Deco labels, right? Obviously, he wants it to succeed, but does he have any control over or influence over the company? We often require politicians to put their ownership into a blind trust. In a family situation, it may be difficult but Tory's not family. Tory's not a Rogers. <laughs> no, he's not a Rogers, but he is, he is former executive. The other thing is that um, the family trust, sorry, the shares of the family trust, I think, are owned by the family. So it isn't as though John Tory owns any shares in the family trust. He's right. simply on the board of directors, being an advisor to the family. And has a okay. certain level of expertise because yep. he was a senior executive of yep. the company as well. I just wonder if shareholders, I just wonder if Toronto citizens are starting to look at this a little differently. That I don't know if I want my mayor taking up any time or attention from a city for a private company that he used to be an executive for. And there is a bit of a vested interest here. So I, 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 I think citizens of Toronto are starting to ask that as well. Well, it, it, this raises another interesting question about um, people who are on boards of directors who also have a full-time job being CEO of another company. Should they be on those boards? Um, are they taking away time from their day job to provide this level of expertise at other companies? Well, that's a good question. Typically, what do we see in these cases, that people will make the allowance for it? Yes, because there are cross-benefits by, by sitting on a board of directors. If right. you're the CEO of one company and you sit on the board of another company, that's great networking. you exposed to other points of view, other businesses that are going on um, that you may be able to bring back into your company, talk about uh, uh proper ways of structuring the organization. Remember, the board of directors is the strategy of the company, not the operations. So they're yeah. looking at this from a big picture about the ethics, the, the mission, the value of the, of the organization. And as a director, you can bring all of that wealth of knowledge back and use it at your own organization as well. So would you think John Tory here is generally on safe ground and that this may be some opponents uh, politically or otherwise who just don't like that he's on the board? Could very well be. That could very well be, Tom. Uh, well, Professor Dunn, this is a fascinating case. I will not tell you what happened in episode three of uh, <laughs> Succession because I know you're waiting to binge it. Let me just Thank say the, this entire story arc, you will not be disappointed, I think, uh, in one bit. And I'll leave it there. I will not say anything else. But as this progresses and as it evolves, I'm going to check back in with you again. If we get a ruling, of course, I'd love you to break it down for the audience and tell us uh, whether, whether or not uh, Ed Rogers does get the ability or does not get the ability. I'd love to pick your brain again uh, when the court uh, renders its decision. 
Happy to do so, Tom. Uh, Professor Dunn, have yourself a great night. You too. Thanks again, Tom. There's Dr. Paul Dunn, a professor of business ethics at the Goodman School of Business at Brock University. The Rogers Court hearing is going on right now in Vancouver to determine who has the right to appoint the board of directors.